Welcome to Vows to Keep Radio with David and Tracy Sellers. Our mission is to help couples develop biblically healthy marriages through the application of God's Word and a deeper relationship with Him. We desire to help you and your spouse grow closer to each other and closer to the heart of God's design for your marriage. Now here's David and Tracy with today's broadcast. So David, I'm going to start out today by asking you what's going to be a really humbling question. So what's my attitude been like lately, like the last couple of days or weeks? Well, I would have to say it's been a combination of being on mission, being overwhelmed, frustrated, full of vibrance, a little unsure, and a little confident. Okay. Thank you, David. I'm very grateful for your answer. I didn't have actually any idea what you were going to say. Honestly, some of it's a little bit hard to hear because I see some of it, but I don't see other parts of it. And it's really funny because actually, as you were talking, I sort of tuned you out a little bit because I was in my mind defending myself. Like, I know I've been busy lately. I know I've been overwhelmed lately, but hey, I've got this long list of things and that's why I've been overwhelmed lately. Like you recently had a really serious physical thing happen and I've been taking care of a lot of things at home. We just recently had our biggest fundraising event of the year and I've got all these things add to that, like a hard situation with one of our kiddos. And I feel like it's been a lot lately, but I will say that I did ask you for a reason because I know that I can be really blind sometimes to how I come across. I can be blind to my shortcomings and I can even justify why I'm acting like I am and even take my attitude so far as to let others know exactly how I'm feeling. I know that my attitude affects me. It wears me down over time, but maybe what I don't see is how it affects others as well. Attitude by definition is a mindset. It affects our tone. It's all those nonverbal communication. It affects what we say and what we do. The word attitude has a root in the Latin word aptus, which means fitness. Now, physical fitness is a statement about the condition of our bodies, clearly. But you can hear the word aptitude in that Latin word. In scripture, we see the words mind and mindset, and these are being translated to attitude several times in both the New and Old Testaments. The state of our mind has huge implications for what happens in our lives and how we handle our marriages. Attitude is something God cares about way more than we give it credit. So how's yours been lately? How would your kids or your coworkers or your spouse respond if you asked them humbly and honestly, how am I doing? What's my attitude been? It's really tempting for us to write off our attitude as this is just the way I am. But I think in Philippians 2.5, God gives us a higher standard than what we would naturally default to. He's asking us to have the same attitude that Christ had. Wow. Let's turn there real fast. Philippians chapter two, it says this. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, doing nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility counting others more significant than yourself. 
Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God to be a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and that every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. That's a tall order, but it also really shows us just how much God loves us. In his call for us to be like his son, he is loving us. He's saying, don't stay stuck in the mud. Don't stay stuck in your sin. In Philippians 2, we see the heart, the attitude of Christ. We're to do away with selfishness. We're to do away with pride and instead be humble, serve each other. Let everything we do come from a heart of love. The original Greek phrase for attitude in this Philippians 2 passage is, let this mind be. It's a verb that means to think, to direct your mind to, to seek for, observe, and to care for. When I've not had the attitude of Christ, I've really seen how I can set the whole tone of our household. Whether that's overarchingly over time, but more often it's in the little moments. Let me give you an example. The other night I was making a new recipe. It was supposed to be easy. And honestly, it actually really was. But my scattered mind was not successfully putting this together. You've probably been in this situation. And my attitude quickly tanked into panic flustered mode. And guess what happened? Well, my husband and my daughter who were in the other room came running to see what was the matter. The problem was super small, but I was blowing it out of proportion. I set the tone for the evening. When something I want doesn't happen or something I'm trying to prevent does happen, wrong attitudes quickly show their ugly faces. And if we think about it, attitude really does have so many faces. It can range from pessimistic to grateful, from irritated to peacemaker. An attitude can last a few seconds or an attitude can permeate our lives so deeply that it almost begins to look like a personality trait. Whatever the attitude, however long it lasts, it has far-reaching implications. We'll go deeper into that topic in part two of this series on communication, but first I want you to think about this as we get started today. When it's just the two of you behind closed doors, what is the culture of your marriage? What attitudes prevail? That's really what I'm asking. Within the last week, has your attitude set the tone of the day? Has your attitude set the tone of a specific circumstance or a conversation? Today on Vows to Keep Radio, we're going to begin by answering the first of four questions about attitude to see immediate communication improvement in your marriage. By listening and applying what you hear today, you're taking steps to invest. Thanks for listening to Vows to Keep Radio, the show where you can get sound biblical counsel you can apply immediately to your marriage. 
We're your host, David and Tracy Sellers of Vows to Keep, and we're biblical marriage counselors, we're authors, teachers, podcast hosts, radio hosts, and conference speakers. If you want to get back to being on fire for your spouse and for God, you're in the right place. As we get started, I'd actually like you to write down these or find them in our show notes so you can really give some thought to this later on. The first question is, what sets my attitude? The second, what speaks my attitude to my spouse and how does it affect our communication and unity? Third, where do I need to reset my attitude and how do I do that? You might be thinking, okay, but it's, it's really my spouse who needs an attitude adjustment. Trust us, we'll get there. We won't leave you hanging. But answer these first three questions for yourself because it's going to set you up to be successful for the fourth one. And that is this, how do I help my spouse to reset their attitude? God wants to use you to help your spouse to grow just as much as he wants to tweak your heart and your mind wherever that's needed. The cool thing is, as we answer these four questions, we're going to learn how to change attitudes that need it and have the right attitude as we do five specific things. Believe life in truth, think life in truth, speak life in truth, live life in truth, and give life in truth. I promise that when you come to the Lord with an open heart about your attitude, and when you find your answers to these four questions in God's word, you are going to see communication flow in ways it hasn't for years between the two of you. God promises that when we do things his way, we will receive blessing upon blessing, grace upon grace. Listen to this verse from Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2. If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord, your God, to observe carefully all of his commandments, which I command you today, all of these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord, your God. Blessings will overtake me, run ahead of me and exceed my expectations. Yes, please. But we live in a country where we're being told we don't have to listen to anybody but ourselves. We're being told to embrace whatever attitude makes us feel empowered or whichever one makes us feel like our quote unquote true selves. We're promised by the media that when we color outside the lines of what's expected of us, that we will be free and that's when we'll be overtaken by blessings. I saw a social media post a couple weeks ago that contained a message I really see all over the place. Don't tone down who you are, it said, to sue other people. Be aggressive, be difficult, be bossy, be who you are because you are beautiful that way. Being ungodly is being celebrated. This was posted by a Christian lady and liked and cheered on by other believers. People who know God's word. We're celebrating running after what our flesh wants rather than walking in the spirit, acting and thinking and talking like Christ. We're almost ready to dig into that first question, but first I want you to think about this. When was the last time you chose to have a Christ-like attitude when you didn't feel like it? Think about that for a minute. And then answer this. What were the results that came from choosing to do it God's way? Now, you might be able to pinpoint a couple of instances that come to your mind. Maybe this kind of situation comes to your mind. You see your spouse's attitude is junk. They are struggling and you make the hard decision. You know what? I think I need to shed some light on this. Not to protect me, not because I'm frustrated with how their attitude is affecting me, but to help my spouse be God-honoring. So you take that bold step and you say something. 
and they feel God's love, and they have a change of heart. Outside, no one knows what's happening. No one celebrates it with you. But when you choose God's way over your own feelings, the ripple effects are gigantic. Choosing an attitude to be like Christ can have lasting effects, not only in your home, in your spouse's life, but for eternity. Now, we don't have time in this episode to dig into all four questions that will bring immediate communication improvement into your marriage, but don't worry, we're going to get as far as we can, and then we're going to pick up where we left off in our next broadcast. So question number one, what sets my attitude? It's kind of a loaded question, right? Seems like we could spend the rest of this episode just making a list of all of the things that set us up for that bad attitude. You know, the ones, the, the circumstances that you can't believe are happening, the countless interruptions, all of the disappointments. But I believe in reality, what we can boil all of this down to, what is setting that wrong attitude? It's just three headlines. What I believe, what I want, and my adherence to or my disobedience of God's word. Let me say that again. What I believe, what I want, and my adherence to or my disobedience of God's word. Too many of us have the belief that I don't have the option to feel any other way. The belief that this is just who I am. This is the way I'm made. Too many of us have the belief that I have the right to be or to feel this way. Too many of us have expectations. Or another way to say it, we have an agenda. And then finally, what areas of my life am I not being obedient to the word of God? And if you're curious about what this has to do with attitude, we will get there. Trust me. So let's start with that first one, David, belief. What am I believing? As we talk through this one, I want us to remember one very important point. Every wrong action begins by believing a lie. Do you ever believe that you don't have the option to feel any other way? I certainly do all the time. I have to use a really personal example for this one. I will admit that I get overwhelmed really easily. It seems like I'm always looking at my schedule, whether it's for the day or the week, and evaluating how much I have to do, how much time I have to do it in, and either going into all-out panic mode or going into self-protective mode if it feels like too much. You may have different things that trigger your attitude to go south. This is mine. Put out, stressed out, frustrated, so much with the load that even a little blip on the radar can be the straw that breaks the camel's back. And then I end up showing my attitude to others, sighing, complaining, and all-out crabby. But even in the midst of those feelings, and I don't want to feel that way, I wonder how can I feel any other way? And I feel like I have a right to feel this way. My schedule isn't going to change. I know that. The demands are going to be the same. It never lets up. In fact, more and more things just keep getting piled on. This is one of those humbling instances where the teacher learns as much or more than the student. I'm definitely preaching to myself right now. So let's talk about this. If you were sitting here with me right now, What biblical advice would you give me about my attitude? Where would you point me to in scripture? Well, since you're not here right now with me, I'm going to ask David. Now, if you're believing a lie, Tracy, the answer is to replace those thoughts with truth. And we do this with our kids going through tough situations all the time. It boils down to these five action points. And as we think about these things in relation to our attitude, I hope it will all come together. Let's see if you remember them. First, we need to believe truth and apply it to our life. We need to think truth. We need to speak truth. We need to live truth. And we need to give truth. 
There's a reason we've put them in that order too as well, because if we have first believed the truth, that helps us to think truth, to have the right mindset, to direct our minds to be exactly where God wants us to be, to honor God with our thoughts. Luke 6.45 tells us that what we think, what's in our hearts, is what comes out of our mouth. So when we think truth, we speak it to ourselves and to others. Your mouth can be a source of life, not to harm others, not to harm ourselves. Next in the lineup is to live truth. James 3 compares the tongue to the rudder of a great ship. It says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Even though it's small, it directs the course of our lives. That's the tongue. The next verse talks about our tongue being a flame of fire that can set a whole forest ablaze. What we say can give death or life. Things that are building to others or things that tear down our relationships. I'm seeing that attitude matters. What we say matters to our communication. So what's the truth, David, do you think I need to believe when I feel overwhelmed and I'm starting to get stressed out, put out and crabby? The first is that God is in control, that he has not given you more to do than you can accomplish. In fact, he has the whole body of Christ working together for his cause. And you have an important part in being obedient to what he's asked of you, but recognizing he is not asking you to do more than you can possibly accomplish. Believing that will cause you to think differently. You won't be focused on the impacts to you. It'll turn your heart to things that matter, to be empowered for speaking the truth that he's given you to share with other people, just like today's broadcast. That will change your thoughts from, wow, this is going to be so hard on me, to, wow, God's given me a chance to speak into other people's lives. I appreciate your godly counsel, David, and I see that what you're saying is directly tied to our communication, yours and mine. And I hope as you are listening today that you can see it too, that everything we've talked about today is communication because communication between you and your spouse always starts in the heart, whether it's good communication or bad. I'll admit that it's quite a bit easier to give the tips and tricks about communication, like Always remember to use I statements when you're in a fight or remember to never call names during an argument or validate your spouse's feelings, but make sure your voice gets heard too. Those things aren't necessarily wrong, but they'll never lead to a right heart. They'll never lead to believing the truth of God's word, applying it and seeing radical lasting change in your communication and your marriage. Tips and tricks. They just keep things on a surface level. We can't address our attitudes without addressing the heart. That is where it all originates. And if you want to dig deeper on this topic, here's another thing we want you to write down so you can give it more thought later. What else am I believing that isn't true, that's affecting my attitude, and therefore, all the communication I have with those people that I love? If you don't know what belief is setting your attitude, Go to the Lord, get quiet, and ask him to show you what attitudes need to change. Second, do what Tracy just did. Ask your spouse, ask your kids. It's not going to be easy, 
but it will be an eye opener to what you're blind to. We've all got blind spots, myself included. We've got attitudes that push others away, that hurt, that block, that stop communication. If an attitude is revealed to you, if God is convicting you to change, go to his word, learn, memorize truth that you need to believe instead of the lies that send your mind into a downward spiral. Arm yourself with truth so you can be ready for the moments we tend to fall prey to the lies. If you're really serious about improving communication in your marriage, take action, follow through with the Lord and with your spouse. But as you do, let me caution you about one thing. This is going to take a lot of honesty with yourself. It's really tempting to come back to God or our spouse with the argument, hey, this is just me, or I inherited this. We'll have the mental argument with God. I am who I am. I can't change. God, you created me this way. So what do you want me to do about it? It is true that we have unique personalities given to us by God. And I'm really happy about that because it would be super boring if we were all the same. We are predisposed to be good at certain things, bad at others. We may have tendencies like being shy or outgoing, liking live music as opposed to silence, but only God can say, I am who I am. Exodus 3.14. He's the potter. We are the clay. Isaiah 64.8. And he can take anything and everything we put before him and change us more into the image of his son. Don't fall to the temptation to ask God to change you, but then hold something back and say, you can't have this. You can't touch this part of me. For example, an attitude that we're proud of, one that helps us to get our way or makes us look good or strong or right to others is one that's hard to submit to God. A disposition that we default to that seems easier to not deal with because we know if we let God get a hold of that area of our lives, there would be some major disruption. It's going to be uncomfortable. You might be tempted to withhold an attitude or belief because it's an easy thing to use as an excuse for your sin rather than asking God to first forgive you and then change you. As I was preparing this to share with you guys today, my stomach started to get in knots, especially about this part, because the death of our sin hurts. I know this is going to be uncomfortable for you, but I also am super excited to one day in heaven hear about how God's word in action in your heart was able to turn your marriage around. Let's close today with this thought. If every wrong action, if every wrong attitude begins with a lie, every good, helpful, God-honoring action and attitude begins by believing the truth. If my self-centered expectations, if my agenda sets an attitude, that breaks communication. But when I seek a mindset, an attitude like Christ did in Philippians 2, being humble, serving, letting everything I do be from a heart of love, that becomes my new agenda, and that will set my attitude. One that leads to unity, one that leads to open communication, one that leads to an amazing intimacy in our conversations. And if the areas in my life where I am not being obedient to God's word set my attitude, then conversely, where I am being obedient to God's word will also set my attitude. It will change my marriage drastically. Next time, we'll talk about some of the common areas of attitude that break our communication. What lies are we believing and what truth do we need in order to think truth, to speak truth, to live truth, and to give truth. 
and then we'll jump into our next question to improve communication in our marriage. What speaks my attitude to my spouse and how is it affecting our communication and our unity? See you next time on Vows to Keep Radio. Vows to Keep is supported by a team which includes biblical coaches, writers, and pastoral advisors. If you have a desire to serve marriages in your community, we would love to hear from you. Vows to Keep is a not-for-profit marriage ministry designed to bring God's encouraging truth to the marriages of our area. As a not-for-profit organization, our commitment to Christ-like marriages includes providing much-needed services regardless of a couple's financial ability to offset the cost of Vows to Keep operations. If you are unable to donate your time or abilities but would like to help support Vows to Keep financially, visit VowsToKeep.com and click on the donate link. This program is sponsored by Vows to Keep of Zanesfield, Ohio.